I am so glad, uh, after being in India, it's so good to be back. It's so good to see my church family again. And this week has been, I'm still waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, everything, which was great because yesterday was the start of deer season and I was up in time, you know, so it was great. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, apparently UK football fared a little better than I did uh, yesterday because I got nothing. Um, but it's okay. Uh, we're, we're good. Uh, we're in a series, like I said, uh, Four Sins of Sound Godly. And last week we talked about spiritual whining. Uh, and, and if you missed that, you can go to our YouTube page. We have the, the sermon available there. If you have a complaining problem or you know someone who does, say, hey, thinking of you, send it to them. You know, that's a, uh, and listen to them complain. But today we're talking about spiritual apathy. And the main thing are the phrases, it's not my job and I've put in my time already, aren't in the Bible. As much as we'd like for them to be, they aren't in the Bible. And so uh, I, I heard a story. There's a man on a bus and there were a bunch of women and children standing up, and the man was, had his head down and his hands folded. And a person next to him said, hey, man, are you, are you okay? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. He goes, well, what are, what are you doing? Are, are you praying? He goes, no, I'm not praying. He goes, are, are you sick? He goes, no, I'm not sick. Well, and then, then why are you sitting down you know, with your head down and your hands folded? And the man said, well, there are a lot of women and children standing up on the bus, and, and it just really hurts me to see it. So I'm just going to keep my eyes down. As opposed to maybe standing up and giving his seat. And that's what we see a lot in the church and in this world. We know that widows and orphans and People that are, have all kinds of issues and need help are there. We know they're there, but it hurts us to see them. So we just put our heads down and avoid seeing them. And as, uh, as, as a Christian, that's just not in the Bible. You never saw Jesus doing that. You never see the disciples doing that. Rather, the opposite. They went right into the messiness. They went into the places where no one in their right mind would go. And they served the people that nobody loved. And they went after and loved the people that nobody cared about. And that, guys, nothing has changed. That is still Jesus' mission today. And the church is at its best when it is doing that, doing the very things that Jesus did. And, and I'm, I'm a bottom line kind of guy. I don't like a lot of fluff and I don't like a lot of talk. I want to know what the bottom line is. Uh, what it all boils down to, make it simple for me. I'm not an intelligent person. You got to make it simple for me. Okay. How does the Christian live? What are our actions supposed to be? What is the bottom line? Well, here it is. Y'all ready? This is the bottom line. Whatever Jesus has done for you, you do for others. You're like, is it that simple? Uh, well, yeah, let me explain that to you. How Jesus looks at us, that's how we look at other people. How does Jesus look at the orphan child? That's how we should look at him. How does Jesus look at the person with leprosy? That's how we should look at him. What does Jesus do for the people that are neglected? Well, that's what we should do. It's, it's, it's simple. What actions Jesus took towards us are the actions we should take towards other people. You say, that's it? Yeah. And the Christian asks, if Jesus had my life, listen, if Jesus had my life, this is what the Christian is always asking. If Jesus had my home, 
my resources, my talents, my money, my job, my family, if he had my life, what would he do? What would he do on Monday? What would he do on Tuesday? What would he do on Wednesday? And that's it. So if Jesus had your talents, abilities, income, home, job, family, opportunities, what would he do? Well, if your answer is anything different than how you're living right now, then you need to repent. You need to change because you're outside of the will of God for yourself. If Jesus would live your life radically different, if he had your resources, your talents, your personality, everything, if he would live radically differently, then you're outside of the will of God. And you just admitted it. What Christ has done for us, we do for the world. And so many Christians try to make it difficult. They try to, try to uh, make it more complicated than it really is. I, I've, I've run into Christians like this. Uh, the people that, that, that will complicate things so they don't have to do for others what Jesus has done for them. They'll, they'll, look, they'll say, well, that's not the right translation of the Bible. The, the, that's not what the original text says. And, and so that they, they don't have to do what Jesus has done for them. They try to ask the deep questions, pretending to be so confused and not knowing what to do. So that they don't have to do for others what Jesus has done for them. Uh, try to study, uh, like say, the original language. Or they try to tell you what Jesus meant to say rather than what he actually said, so that they don't have to do for people what Jesus has done for them. I've seen it all. And the, there may be people in here today or listening online who are doing that very thing. You know exactly what Jesus wants you to do. You know exactly what you're supposed to do, but you're, uh, you're using a bunch of cliche phrases or you're using a bunch of deep questions or, or anything that to, to not, not because you really care about the answer to them, but because you don't want to do what Jesus wants you to do. Okay, I've seen it all the time. So the question is, what did Christ do for us? What did he do for us? Well, in Romans 8, 14 through 17, it's a brilliant passage. Paul's writing to the the Christians in Rome, and he says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Do you hear that? You're not a slave. The Spirit he gives us does not make us slaves. We don't need to fear. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. There's so much in there, you guys. This is incredible. Christ looked at this broken world, and we got a broken world. Anybody thinks we don't have a broken world? You ain't been outside. Okay, we have a broken world and nothing's changed since Jesus' time. And he saw a bunch of orphans, a bunch of, bunch of homeless orphans, you, me, everybody in the world, a bunch of orphans. And he sacrificed himself on the cross and taking our sins away. And most people get that point. Most people get that point that Jesus died for your sins. And that, I'm, I'm not minimizing that at all because that is a very deep and stunning truth. No, make no mistake. But it doesn't stop there. The Bible, he did something else. The Bible said not just did he take away our sins, but he adopted us. God adopted us. And Paul takes it one step further. We're his children, and then we're heirs. We aren't sort of children. Not sort of children. Not, it's not a nice phrase. We aren't God's foster children. We're kind of living in the house. We're really not part of the family. Okay? It doesn't say that God fosters us. It says he adopts us. 
According to scripture, when we're baptized into Christ, we go in front of the judge. Has anyone ever been to an adoption? There are a lot of people who, who have adopted children in this church. Oh, I go to every single one of them. I love it. But so you go to the court, and there's a judge sitting there and the caseworker and everything like that. How many of y'all have been to an adoption ceremony? Okay, you have? Okay, cool. Well, imagine this with me. This is what happens when you become a Christian. You go into the courtroom, and there's a caseworker. Guess what his name is? Jesus. Yeah, exactly. And there's God who's a judge, and he formally adopts you. Judge declares adopted into the forever family with God and our Father. Jesus pays the adoption fee. We who had no family, no purpose, no hope, we who are orphans now are adopted into the family of God. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus did far more for us than just forgive our sins. I'm not minimizing that, but he did far more than take away just sins, far more. It's such a shame that people have edited the gospel down to just that. He adopted us and made us part of his family, you guys, with an inheritance known as eternal life. That's how you know you're really part of the family when you get an inheritance, okay? When you get included in the inheritance, you're a full part of the family. So it's real simple. What Jesus has done for us, we do for others. Number two, write this down. The primary work of Christ is adoption. So the primary works of the church should be adoption too. James 1.27 says this, I'm a bottom line guy. If you're a bottom line person, you like this, religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and false is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And I don't think there's any coincidence that James says these two things together, to look after widows and orphans in their distress and stop and keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Because I think the biggest hindrance to the first one, caring for widows and orphans in their distress, is the fact that we're polluted by the world. I think that's the biggest thing. If, if, if I was to ask every person in here, do you hate orphans? Not one of you would raise your hand. Not one of you. If, if I, I was to go out there, does anyone hate orphans? No, no, no one hates orphans. And, and if I said, well, do you think that caring for orphans is a good thing? Everybody in here would say yes. So that's not what's keeping us from caring for orphans. What's, caring, what's keeping us from caring for orphans is being polluted by the world. Follow me here. See guys, the problem with caring for orphans is first of all, it costs money. You wanna sponsor a child, it's gonna cost you money. And if you've been polluted by the world and you think that your job is to keep all of your money for yourself and to take care of yourself and get what you want, you've been polluted by the world, then you're gonna, you're gonna neglect the care of orphans because you just don't wanna spend the money. It's expensive. Um, caring for orphans also will cost you space and comfort. It will. If you foster or adopt, there are some great stories of fostering and adopting. There are also some, some, some heartbreaking stories um, of, of, of children that, that they're, they're so broken, they won't even let you love them, won't even let you care for them. And there's all kinds of, of, of stuff. It costs you comfort and, and, and causes you, causes you space, costs you space in your home. You'll have discipline problems and you'll have less comfort. And if you've been polluted by this world and think that the world, the job, your, your thing in this world is to be as comfortable as possible, you've been polluted by the world and bought that lie that your purpose in life is to be as comfortable as possible, then you're not gonna care for orphans, okay? It's, it's somebody else's problem. Somebody else will do it. And caring for orphans will cost you friends and family. I hate to say it, but it will. People think you're crazy. If you, if you dive into orphan care, there are people who think I'm crazy for going over to India and doing mission trips and things like that. People, people think you're crazy. That's okay. We are crazy. We're Christians. 
They've been thinking, we've been calling us crazy for 2,000 years. Join the crowd, it's great. They thought Jesus was crazy. You'll lose friends and family. That's okay. They won't understand what you're doing. They won't understand. They'll, they'll, they'll criticize you for it. Yeah, get used to it. That's fine. But when you stand before Jesus and he says, I was an orphan and you took me in, you won't be missing the folks who walked away from you. When you hear the King of Kings and Lord of Lords say, I was hungry and I was thirsty and I was an orphan, you took me in. It'll all be worth it. So guys, the primary job, primary work of Jesus on the cross was adoption. And so that should be the primary work of the church. And the good news is this. I'm kind of preaching to the choir here. If you're visiting today, you were in one of the most orphan-friendly, orphan-gung-ho, orphan-sponsorship, orphan-adopt, orphan-foster churches you've ever seen in your life. Okay, I cannot tell you the rock stars in here when it comes to, when it comes to caring for orphans. Uh, I almost feel like I shouldn't be preaching today because you're like, well, yeah, we've been doing that this whole time. Uh, there, uh, so many people in here sponsor uh, orphans in our, in our uh, uh, orphanage in India or sponsored through World Vision or, or through um, Compassion. And there's so many people that have fostered, so many that have adopted. I've never seen a, a, a church with this many people doing that. It's incredible. So the church is winning big time in this area. Here's some good news, you guys. Y'all want some good news? Here's some good news. I think our world needs some good news. Well, here we go. According to research, Christians are more than twice as likely to adopt a child as non-Christians. More than twice as likely. People say, well, there's no difference between Christians and non-Christians. Yes, there is, especially in this area right here. In addition, 38% of Christians have seriously considered adoption, while only 26% of non-Christians have. That's excellent news. I love seeing Christians take the word of God seriously and live it out. The Bible says it, but we're also not where we need to be, church. We're not where we need to be. We can, we can always do more, right? Only 5% of Christians have ever adopted a child. And, and that's amazing. Well, well, 4% have been foster parents. That, that, that's, that's kind of a small number until you realize that's compared to 1% of non-Christians. So a Christian is five times as likely, uh, five times more Christians have adopted the non-Christians because of taking the, the word of God seriously. I love that. Uh, only, and 2% of non-Christians foster. So most of the adoption and most of the fostering is being done by the church, y'all, because we're being obedient to Jesus. That's good news, isn't it? That we're actually doing something right because we get a lot of bad news and everything, and I think the church needs a round of applause for that. We're actually doing it, getting it done. I love it. Yes, yes. But here's, here's the good news. Here's the good news. It gets even better than this, okay? Because not everybody can adopt or not everybody can foster. We're just in a stage in life where we can't do it, don't feel called by God. It is a calling, but there are other ways of being involved. Check this out. In addition to fostering and adopting, American Christians, only American Christians, this isn't Christians around, only ones in this country, spend more than $5.5 billion every year sponsoring orphans. $5.5 billion. Now, when, I start, when we first started uh, doing International Orphan Sunday, that number was $4.8 billion. So Christians are increasing their love and support and protection of orphans around the world because that's exactly what Jesus said to do. I, my, my family, we, we haven't adopted, we haven't we fostered, we have not felt called to that, but we sponsor, we've been sponsoring orphans our whole lives. And it's just, it's just amazing. That's part of us. We're doing that. 
um, and I, I, through compassion, world vision, and individual orphanage like ours in India. It all goes through that. This rescues orphans from human trafficking. Uh, rescues orphans from drugs, from violence. It gives them food, gives them water, housing, education, and more importantly, shares the love of God with each and every one of them. That's what sponsorship does for orphans. And the work of caring for orphans is one of the areas that I am most proud of this church. You all, every month, every one of you that gives to the Catalyst Orphanage India, I love watching that transfer over and, and when, when I, got, uh, I got back from, from India this past week, seeing what you guys have done, not everybody can go over there. Not everybody can see the work that's going on over there. We started this in 2012, and seeing it grow, and seeing the number of children that are safe, that are receiving education, that are fed, that have clothes, and the more importantly, our learning about Jesus is astounding. I can't tell you how amazing it is. And at the end of the service, you'll see a video and you'll see some of the kids that you guys send money every month to, to support. They are, oh, I just wanted to bring them all home. Uh, it, it broke my heart when we had to leave because they were just the cutest, cutest kids you've ever seen. It's just amazing and thinking without your all support that they would be on the street digging through trash, getting kidnapped into human trafficking. India is a hotbed of human trafficking. Think about those little girls. Uh, I, don't even, I, I don't even want to think about it, but they're safe and they're healthy and they're being kids as every kid should be because of the sacrifices of what you guys are doing. I got to see it. Me, Rodney, Sam, and Rowan got to see it firsthand. And every time we go over there, there are more and more because you guys just keep being faithful and faithful and faithful. There are now 252 children in the school, 82, are, 82 of whom are full orphans, 82 children sponsored by people in this church where their only source of income and watching what you, you, what you guys have done with your sacrifice, I wish I could take the whole church over there and just let you see it because it is truly amazing. So many of you have committed yourselves to the care of orphans. I cannot tell how thankful I am for your sacrifices and how proud I am to pastor a church that takes that so seriously. We have adoptions. We have adopted children in this church. We have foster children in this church. That are, that are safe now from the streets, that are being brought up in Christian homes, that where the love of God is being shown to them. It's just incredible. So if you have never, ever been involved in any kind of orphan care, there's nothing, first of all, nothing as simple because there are, there are four levels. We've, we've always said there are four levels of orphan care. If you can't adopt, foster. If you can't foster, mentor. If you can't mentor, sponsor, Okay. So the first, first level is sponsorship. If you want to go through a, 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 an organization like Compassion, you can sponsor children. They have a big organization. I think about 92% of your money actually gets to the children, and about 8% goes to the overhead. If you want, they've got a website where you can contact your child and write your child, and they're very organized, okay? We, we sponsored a child through Compassion for many years, and if you want that, I highly recommend going to Compassion.org and sponsoring a child. There's also World Vision. 
World Vision does the same thing. I think about 90 to 91% of the, of the money gets to the child. They just have some overhead, and the, but they got a great organization. But if, if and our, we are not organized, we're catalysts, okay? So we don't have the structure to write to your child. We don't have the, the website that shows a picture of your child. We just don't have that, okay? But 100% minus like a 25 cent transaction fee over it goes to the child. So if you want to sponsor a child in the Catalyst Orphanage, all you have to do is go to our website, uh, go to the giving link, and there are funds you can give to, Catalyst Orphanage India, and they, the, the recommended donation is $35 a month, and that will feed, educate, house, everything, uh, an orphan child. And the more, the more sponsors we have, the more children they can rescue from the street and pay for. So I, I can get it, 100% of it goes to the child. Um, so I would highly recommend you guys getting involved in some level of care. So the first level is sponsorship, just providing money, providing financially and prayer for them and everything like that. The second level, if you want to get a little more hands involved, is mentoring. We have Fathers in the Field. Fathers in the Field uh, is a program through here. Uh, there's the Election Leadership Foundation. There's a program called Amachi that I was part of for many years where you get partnered up with a, a young a man or young lady who, who's affected by incarceration. Mom and dad's in jail, and we're trying to keep them from following their, their parents' footsteps. Uh, that kind of thing. Fathers in the Field, come go see my dad uh, about being a mentor about that. If you, if you have a passion for, uh, for, for the outdoors and you want to get a little fella, teach him how to hunt, how to fish, how to canoe, how to camp out, how to all that, all that guy stuff. If that's who you are, go see the dad because that's the second level of orphan care. That's mentoring, okay? Uh, third level, if you want to go a little bit further than that, is fostering, actually bringing children into your home on a temporary basis so that they're safe. When children are removed from, from homes because of drugs or because of violence or because of neglect, um, I could tell you stories of some of the foster parents in this, this church. I, I will never forget, I got a call from a family in our church that was, that was receiving some placements. They got a grand total of 30 minutes notice. And the, the caseworker called them and said, uh, hey, we got, a, we, got, we got kids. And the caseworker said, be prepared. This is the worst case of neglect I've ever seen. And uh, they said, okay, our home's open. Come on over. And the children were crawling with lice. The, the oldest daughter was on her period with no products. Uh, just emaciated. Um, just unreal. That's, that's the world out there, guys. That's what exists in our county. It exists in central Kentucky. And parents were, were strung out on drugs. They, they, they didn't even know what was going on. And these children were the victims. They, the children didn't do anything. It's not their fault. But I'm glad they had a warm, safe home to come to where they were able to get all the lice off of them, where the, where the young lady was able to get some, some feminine products and where they were fed and where they, were, they had safety and, and everything for a temporary basis. But guys, that's what fostering is. Uh, if you want to foster, we have a huge need for foster parents right now. Um, and, and then at the next level is adoption. If you want to bring a, a young person into your home and you, they mesh with the family and you want to include them in your family, make them full part of your family, uh, adoption is the, is, the, is the top level of orphan care, giving, giving them a forever family. And let me tell you something, when that happens in this church, so many people in this church show up for the court, man, we are behind you, we are celebrating, we throw a party. I've been to several of them, it's great. Uh, so if you can't, can't adopt, foster. If you can't foster, then mentor. If you can't mentor, sponsor. But be involved in orphan care. Everyone can do that. See, guys, in Matthew 25, 
Jesus tells a parable where he divides. He says that the whole of the nations can be gathered before him. This is the end of days. This is, this is at the end of time. Okay? And he's going to divide the sheep from the goats. He says on his right are going to be the sheep. You guys sat on the right side of the church today. You guys, that's good. Okay? The goats. Sorry. You know? So, but sheep and goats, like a, like a shepherd. And he'll say to the people on his right, he'll say, into heaven with you guys because the, the inheritance prepared for you because I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was sick and in prison. You came to see me. I was an orphan and you brought me in. And the people will say, Lord, when, when did we ever see you hungry, thirsty, sick in prison? First of all, Jesus, what are you doing in prison? What did you do? You know, this kind of thing. And he goes, no, 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 you don't get it. Whatever you did for the least of these, the lowest, the most neglected, the most unloved, whatever you did for them, that's what you did for me. See, Jesus identifies, he becomes incarnate in the least of these. He's not found in mansions and in halls of power like the White House and Congress and all these. He is found in the leper colony, in the neglected child crawling with lice, in the prisoner. And, and that's where he's found. That's what he said. He can be found in the least of these. And then he'll say to the people on his left, he'll say, depart from me. That's the biblical way of saying, go to hell. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels and his demons. Because I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me something to drink. I was sick and in prison. You didn't come to see me. And they're going to say, Lord, when when in the world did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or sick or in prison? If we'd have known you were there, we'd have done that. And he said, no, 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 you don't get it. What you didn't do for the least, you didn't do for me. And guys, I want those orphan children, I want the least of these, when I stand before God, to stand beside me and say, yeah, he came to see us. Yeah, he sponsored us. Yeah, he gave us food. Yeah, we're here because of him. That'd be a great thing to, 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 to have on your day of judgment when you stand before God. Okay, that's in Matthew chapter 25. If you don't believe me, you can look it up. It is very, very clear what our mandate is, and it's so amazing to see our church engaging in it but there's always more we can do the great thing and the terrible thing about orphans is that they're easy to find because there's so many of them we will never ever ever be done there will never be a time where we can look and say hey all the orphans are taken care of good job we don't need to do anything else there will never be that time okay so if you would like to be involved in orphan care Come see me. I am, it is one of my passions. I just get fired up when I see somebody wanting to take care of the, of, of the least of these. I get so fired up, you guys. When I set foot in that orphanage over in India this, the two weeks ago, man, it was awesome because these kids were safe and protected and were learning about Jesus. Just remember, James one twenty seven says religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted 
by the world. Let's make sure that we're doing that as a church.